In him you also, when you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with holy promise, spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is God's word. Lord, would you use me to glorify your name? Remove me that people might be able to hear from you today. Eliminate the distractions and allow us to be totally immersed in your presence. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 Uh, If you are new, we want you to know that uh, we have a rhythm by which our children are present. Uh, We have two weeks that the children are uh, in our Mac Kids time where they have a time that's focused just for them. And two weeks when they're present worshiping with us, we believe that uh, children should learn praise, learn worship and learn what it means to celebrate Christ uh, from seeing their parents model it. And so that's why we're intentional about having them present. But we also know that they don't understand quite deeply some of the things that we're talking about. So we have a time when they're away. So you might hear a little bit more uh, joyful children singing uh, during our service today. I, uh, I, I, I found this side hustle uh, during probably like my, my 10th grade in high school. Um, I like I like dressing nice and you go get the outfit and the outfit can look kind of fresh. It can look real good. You got your hat tilted to the side, the shirt, the pants. But the thing that sometimes brings the outfit all together, bring it all together is the shoes. You got to come with the right pair of shoes. And, you know, I got some some family members that if you open that one closet, just all the shoes come down. I mean, sisters might notice a little bit well or better than the brothers, but shoes can sometimes just bring it all together. And so I found this side hustle. I, I found out that these boots that I paid a lot of money for, these Timberland boots, which was like my all-year-round hookup. Yep, in the winter when the snow was coming down, I would rock the Timberlands. In the fall when it was starting to get a little bit cold out, I would rock them. Springtime because it's raining, I'm rocking Timberlands. And yep, in the summer with shorts on and a tank top, (laughs) I was rocking Timberlands. And so I found this this little thing in the box one day, in the box... It said, money back guarantee, no questions asked. No questions asked. So now I'm like, cool, because my Timberlands, I've had them for about a year. The scuffs from my siblings, the times I got out the car, my nice yellow pair of new buck Timberlands start looking like pale kind of pastel Easter bunny yellow. You know, it just, it don't look as fresh no more. And so I go ahead. They call that we Okay, okay. So I go ahead and get a little razor and I start pulling apart the thread on the boots. And I take it apart and I send it to them. Six weeks later, Brand new pair of boots. I wish I could say, y'all, that I only did this once. (laughs) 
I, I wish I could say that that I, I stopped liking clothes as much then. I wish I could say that I didn't want fresh. And probably five, at least four pair of boots later, I had been hustling this system. But I was only able to do so because of the guarantee the organization gave, the the ethical commitment that they had to their product, that no matter what you present us with, we guarantee you a good product. Today, family, as we dive into God's word, we are going to be looking at a guarantee that God gives, a guarantee that God gives something that you could actually put your life upon, something that he seals himself. If you turn with me, we've been in the book of Ephesians. We're going through that, that book uh, during this next time, next time of our, of our uh, Bible focus. We're in chapter one, and we're going to be looking at just two verses. And we got the kids today, so I'm going to try to bless you and get out soon, but we'll see where the Holy Spirit take us. Um, We're starting at verse 13. It'll also be up here on the screen. Verse 13, Ephesians chapter 1. In him you also, in in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 13. When you heard the word of truth. Before you can start thinking about it and start understanding the beauty of the guarantee, you somewhat got to be attracted to the product. You got to be attracted to the item. You got to be drawn in to want it. And then you find out that a guarantee accompanies it. And uh, I, I, I would hope that as we talk and as we do life together as a family, the thing that would become most attractive to every one of your lives is a story of the gospel. That, that, that the story of who Jesus is and who we get to be in him would be drawing you, would be attractive to you, would be luring you in. And that's one of the reasons why I, I love when we have our testimony time. Because you get to see through testimonies how God draws people in in very different ways. I'm uh, oftentimes blown away because the, the variation by which each of you come to Christ, is, it, it varies greatly. But I love that we all come to this same point. I mean, even if you've been raised in a Christian household your entire life, you kept hearing the gospel, these truths were on your mind. At some point, even if you've been raised in a Christian household, singing songs forever, you still have this issue where you begin to say, at this point, I own the faith for myself. At at this certain point, it wasn't that I was doing it for my parents or because it was a good thing to do or because I had memorized everything for Awana or because mama and daddy gave me candy after my kids. If I could recite the certain scripture at some point, even if I grew up in a Christian bubble, I had to own the faith for myself. The word of truth. It, 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 it is attractive because it draws all of us to the cross. The gospel of our salvation 
is something that is uniform because it speaks to us all in a place of brokenness. Whether you are a person that is on this side and you grew up only knowing that Christ loves you. Or if you are a person that had a broken past, but you came to know Christ loves you. Maybe you were an aggressor that hurt people. Maybe you did things that that demeaned men or demeaned women or you sold things in our community that that broke down homes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Both raised in a Christian home or raised in the streets and didn't know anything about Christ. At some point, you come to this decision making of God, you've chosen me. Now I will respond with a life of faith. And that's the that's the the beauty of the gospel. That is the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, that Jesus has saved you. He has saved us. He has done it for us all. I have the kids in the room today and I try to think of at least one illustration that will will speak to them a little bit. Uh, my kids, if, if, if people were on a boat and you have a older black man, a younger black man, you have an older white man, a younger white man, you have a, an older Asian man, a younger white man, you have all these different people. You have older white women, younger white women. You have this great diversity of people all on a boat My kids ain't even listening. They're coloring right now. They're like, Pastor, what you talking about? All on a boat, and the boat begins to sink. Who's in need the most? I'm going to let my kids actually answer. Which person is in need the most? Go ahead, Mackenzie. You can shout it out. No? Maybe? You can do it. Michael, who's in need the most? Y'all don't I'm, see, I'm doing something I don't even do to the adults. I don't call adults out in church. Sorry, kids, I shouldn't be calling y'all out. I'm to let y'all volunteer. Now all the ch- adults getting scared. He's going to start calling on us too? <laughs> but the, the, the reality, kids, is that everybody equally on the boat is in need of saving. Cuts across all ethnicities, cuts across all gender. There is a great need. Joel, you got a pastor? Help us out. The one who isn't saved. The one who isn't saved. Cool. I mean, I, I, I hear you. I'm just saying, I, I'm pretty sure it's confident in my salvation. If that boat going down, hey, hey, I want to live. But I got you, brother. <laughs> Good, 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 still good answer. The, the, the reason why I, I want to communicate that, though, even to my children, is that you don't need to wait to accept Christ as your Savior. We all, at some point, were in need of Jesus. That is the, 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 the salvation that is spoken of here, the word of truth. The truth is... That no matter how good you think you might have been, you weren't good enough to save yourself. 
We all were in need of a savior. And to my kids, you don't need to wait for a long time or wait until you get older to start living out and believing that. Even today, you can recognize that you are in need of a savior. And so that's the word of truth. That is the gospel. And that's the gospel that that sets us free. Even last week, as we were talking about the beauty of redemption, that's a a gospel that sets us free. Look with me at uh, John chapter 8, verses 31 through 34. And it's important because when we're being, we're realizing that we've been chosen by God, at some point, we not only have an experience with this beautiful God through the word, but with this God, but the word affirms that we have been saved. And we've been set free. We've been redeemed. Look at John chapter 8, verse 31 through 34. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you what? The truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. A slave to sin. I've, uh, I've been able to see the, the, the beauty of what it looks like being freed from sin. I've seen it in my own life, and you guys have blessed me as a pastor to walk with you as God has freed you from sin. But it's painful when you walk with a person that doesn't know that they're enslaved to sin and thinks they're enslaved to something healthy. It's painful when you see a person actually behaving in ways that are destructive and are tearing them up, but they think they're doing something good. I've I've watched it. I've watched it with, with men that have relationships with multiple women at the same time and think they're doing something cool. I've watched it with couples that instead of trying to have a tongue that is loving and caring and redemptive, restoring, they actually want to teach their spouse a lesson and so their tongue becomes a weapon. Think that we're doing something good. But see, that's worldly wisdom. That is an enslaved to a mentality that is not God centered. But God has come to free us and set us free. But he does so by us believing in him. Notice in verse 13, it says, and when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him. I've said this probably five or six times over the Uh, course of my serving as a pastor here, but it's something that just always blows me away. When we lived in Boston, uh, I came to find out that Harvard, uh, the Harvard, Harvard that has produced seven of our of our uh, presidents, Harvard that like, you know, has so many deep connections around the world and has endowments that are more than like any of us could imagine that that Harvard started off as a seminary, a place to equip God-centered preaching and missionality, a place to send the gospel out. 
And our close friend, John, went there to get a Ph.D., and he explained to me the difference in believing of Jesus and believing in him. You see, when you believe of Jesus, he's a teacher with some good principles. When you believe in him, he's correcting your character, teaching you how to live. When you're believing of Jesus, he's just an inclusive guy that's happy about diversity. But when, when he is taking your heart and you're believing in him, he lets you see that the other person who may be very different than you is actually created in the same image as you, both in the image of God. And so there is no uh, uh, ranking of ethnicity and care. It is my now not just somebody of a different ethnicity. It is my sister or brother. Belief of Jesus makes you, can lead you to maybe be passionate about caring for the poor. But when you believe in him, you realize that you have way more in common than the poor, with the poor than you might want to believe. And that we are all poor until Christ saves us. And we learn from one another in doing life. We get some, some, some good sayings when we believe of Jesus, some, some cool little quotes, some, you know, faith, hope, love on the refrigerator when people come over and we shop at TJ Maxx. You know what I'm saying? All them little things. But when you believe in him, he does things that changes the world, things that changes you, things that, that don't make sense to other people. Look at Mark 11. Verse 24 and 25, it says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. What? That 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 God takes people like us and gives us a tool by which he wants to deliver and respond to us, our needs, our cares, our desire, and that tool is prayer. But also he gives us something called forgiveness where he meets us where we are and says, I will separate your wrongdoing as far as the east is for the west. That's that's crazy. That's that's mind boggling. That is foreign to us. And that's what happens when we believe in him. It was foreign to me uh, in the eighth grade. In the eighth grade, and, I, and I'm really thankful for teachers that uh, look at all of history and bring that into the classroom. So in the eighth grade, one of my teachers gave me the assignment of writing a uh, paper on Nelson Mandela. And I did not know anything about South Africa, and my mind was... Uh, kind of opened up. In the eighth grade, I wrote this paper, and it's one of the reasons why when you guys blessed our family with a sabbatical and, and we had the opportunity to say, what would you like to do, Leon? Where would you like to go, Leon? What would be something that God could use and speak to you through, but also uh, uh, provide you with vision for the future of what the gospel could mean in your community? Where would you want to go? And so I said, Lord, we want to go to South Africa. We, we would like to go to uh, 
South Africa and see some of the places where Nelson Mandela had an impact. And you'll see here, uh, that's our family. And and it looks kind of beautiful. But uh, in the in the background, you can't see it. But at the top border is actually the coast um, in uh, Cape Town. That's where the city is. We at this point are standing on the island where Nelson Mandela was imprisoned. So we're at Robben Island as we're taking taking this picture. And um, you can go to the next one, bro. Um, we began to just learn a lot of beautiful history, uh, a lot of painful history, but history that was important for us to learn. Uh, and, and what I came to find out was, was a number of things. One, that Nelson Mandela was a man of faith. Now, I've, I've learned when we were there... Um, his faith is not something that's talked about very often. And there's a few articles, and one of them is written by a sister named uh, Varashni Pillai. It's called Mandela and the Confessions of a Closet Christian. See, Nelson Mandela, who uh, experienced all types of travesties because he spoke out against uh, apartheid. He spoke out against injustices, what you would call our Jim Crow, where it's like legal laws created to keep people separated and make one group subservient to another. Uh, those were apartheid laws. And uh, Nelson Mandela, for speaking out against those laws, spent 27 years in jail. This is a picture of him returning back to the place where he was uh, enslaved. Can you go to that next one, bro? Of his, uh, this is a picture of just a, a, I don't know what you call it. I I was going to say colleague, but it's not, it's a fellow prisoner uh, of his. um, And I'm just showing, I was trying, sorry, it doesn't come up well, but just showing that like some some folks went in as boys and came out as older men. Uh, And while, uh, you can go to that next one, buddy. They all—they were just given, uh, and keep going to that next one. That's him a little younger. They only had these little mats to sleep on. And this room would be filled with men. He slept in this place uh, at Robben Island for 18 years is where he was jailed of his 27. And why, why am I talking about Nelson? Uh, because after he passed, a number of bishops came out and said, I was able to walk with Nelson Mandela for years. I was able to come to the prison and pray with him. I was able to uh, plan with him. I was able to see this man have a vibrant faith. But he kept it quiet and he kept it secret because uh, because of two reasons. One, uh, other African, other blacks there that had uh, used their faith made other people that were of different faiths feel separated. And his whole desire was to reconcile people, was to see people together. So he feared that if people saw him as a Christian, they'd say, oh, well, joining in a movement of unity is not for me. Because in the past, Christians have abused unity to actually lead towards power. 
And so in, in addition to seeing his own people do it, he also saw apartheid, the entire system that subjugated his people, funded by the Dutch Reformed Church. So unfortunately, he's not seeing a good pattern of the people of God being this welcoming presence. And so uh, why does it even enter into our scriptures today? Why is it even a part of my sermon today? Because one of the key aims of Nelson Mandela's new regime, and it was similar to that of Dr. King, which is why I revere these men in great ways and see their faith being a part of what they did, was that as the gospel penetrated them, one of the key aims they had was once people of color got power, they would not force their previous oppressors to now be under the same subjugation, the same unhealthy laws, the same unfair treatment. They would not do that to those who had previously oppressed them. Only a gospel-centered mindset, only walking and believing in Jesus, only accepting the word of truth in your life can have you not want to hurt the person who's hurt you and finally get a chance to make them feel the pain they caused you and say, no, I want to accept you as my brother. I want to take my enemy on as my sister, as my brother. So you, can all, you can't do that when you believe of Jesus. Amen. You can't do that when it's some cool sayings. Yes. See, that's believing in Jesus and being deeply connected to who he is. Yes. And so our ability to do that, our ability to be transformed by the gospel, our ability to be used by God in these great ways uh, comes with some some expression it comes with a uh an experience it comes with god doing something to say that ain't just nelson baby that ain't just martin that is every single one of you in this room you have the same grace that's been afforded to them and the way i'm going to demonstrate it is through sealing you with the holy spirit you're going to be sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. There's going to be a great benefit that you get as a result of that, but there's also going to be a newness of who you are as a result of being sealed with the Spirit. So I, I was trying to talk about my, um, my little boots, and it's, a, it's, it's, not, a, it's not an amazing expression, but uh, illustration, but when, when, when did my... When did my little guarantee, y'all like, Pastor, how was you a hustler back in the day? I know. Uh, when did my little guarantee for my boots start? Come on now. As soon as I bought it. As soon as I bought it, the guarantee was enforced. And the same thing happens with us as people of Christ. Jesus dies on the cross. And then he says he knows us before we're created, before the foundation of this world. He knows us by name. He chooses us, redeems us, cuts off us being connected to sin that we're enslaved to. And then he says, I got you. 
put a mark on you. We'll put a stamp on you. And that stamp from the moment that that God chose you and you responded in believing in him, he says, I got a guarantee for an inheritance that's going to blow your mind. I got a guarantee, not based on all that you brought to the table because you ain't bring nothing, baby. Not based on all the good that you're going to do. And I'm trusting that that's going to be some great things. But at the day of your heart being drawn to me, I will seal you with an inheritance that's going to blow your mind. This was something that was common back in the day, back in the day, like the ancient times. I found one image that would show a seal. They would uh, kings and people of authority would use this as something that would show you that, hey, this is authentic. This is real. There might be a lot of copies out there, a lot of imitators that's trying to let you know. But no, when you get this, you can trust that when you open it up, you are going to receive the benefits of what is inside. And so a seal meant something that was to be uh, taken very seriously and actually was usually referred to as something coming down from the king. I found one that was a little more cheesy and it happened to be Valentine's Day, but I'm still going to use it. Come on, J.D., give me a couple. So This is the, the I am, but it was uh, kind of signed, sealed, delivered. Is that the point of sisters? Who is that? Come on, give it to me. Stevie Wonder, you know. <laughs> but, but, but I think, but, I, but, but, but the reason why, before I even realized we just celebrated Valentine's Day, whatever, um, what, what this communicated was an act of love on behalf of God. It is God looking at you and saying, baby, I'm going to get you to the end. There's an aspect of kingdom living that you are not yet able to experience because of the fall. Because right at this moment, I have redeemed you fully. I put the stamp on you fully, but I haven't changed all of creation yet. So as you operate as a new person with me in you to promise Holy Spirit all up on you, you still are interacting with a crazy world, which sometimes is broken, sometimes hurts you, sometimes feels painful but I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you to the place of an inheritance that is void of all of those things. And an inheritance in verse 14, that he's guaranteeing our inheritance until we acquire full possession of it. And what is it that we're possessing, y'all? What is it that, that this seal of the Holy Spirit is signifying? It's shared in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And usually, like, I, I let my, um, my references and my quotes usually flow from, like, theologians or commentaries. But oftentimes, those are written towards, like, an academic audience of, like, Christian professor with another Christian professor and they're talking about a little, but I like to have like things just laid out in a more simpler format sometimes. And so there's a website called um, gotquestions.org, gotquestions.org that actually writes for people. Just like, I guess they're 
people too, but um, writes for the, the, the average mind like mine. I'll, I'll say that, and y'all are all above that, so we good. Um, I want to read this verse and then give you a little bit of the breakdown of, of, of what's communicated here from GodQuestions.org. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Kept in heaven for you. Our inheritance in Christ is imperishable. We have in Christ, what we have in Christ is not subject to corruption or decay. In contrast to everything on earth in the process of decaying, rusting, and falling apart, what we have in Christ will never tarnish. Our inheritance in Christ is unspoiled. What we have in Christ is free from anything that would deform, debase, or degrade. Nothing on earth is perfect. Even the most beautiful things of this world are flawed. But if we look closely enough, we can always find an imperfection. But Christ, but Christ, but Christ is truly perfect. And our inheritance in Christ is unfading. We have in, what we have in Christ is an enduring possession. As creatures of this world, it is hard for us to imagine colors that never fade, excitement that never flags, or value that never depreciates. But our inheritance is not of this world. Family, it is knowing that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to endure 27 years of jail. Gives us the ability to, to have dogs be sicked on us as we just want to sit at the lunch counter and eat. Gives us the ability to be misunderstood at work as people are making jokes about Christians and we say, that don't seem to be cool. Gives us the ability to uh, try to cross these differences among gender or among ethnicity and actually be misunderstood again and again and again. But see, we got an inheritance that makes it all worth it. We got an inheritance that makes even the greatest of trials worth it because we know there's going to be a time when, baby... None of that pain, none of that awkwardness, none of that weirdness, none of that risk taking will be present. And all we need to do is bask in the glory of our God. where We are cre- get to finally do the one thing we were created to do is worship. Worship him with no distractions. Worship him without getting fatigued. Worship him without getting hungry. Worship him without thinking about the kids. And the the list goes on and on. Just worship. Family, God has sealed you. And if he has not sealed you, if you do not feel that 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 is uh, where you are, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to say, Lord, If that is an inheritance that you have for people, would you create a hunger in me to want that inheritance? You see, because everybody has an end. At some point, the beauty of this world, even if you rejoice and delight in it, even if life is great for you, at some point it will come to an end. 
And then you have to ask this question. What inheritance have I been investing in? We pray that it's a kingdom one, a God-centered one, and we as MacAb would love to talk with you about that and walk with you. But don't, don't be unwise. Don't be enslaved and think that you are feeding yourself and kicking it in life and enjoying life when really you are continuing to harm yourself and those that you might care about. Let Christ free you from slavery and seal you with an inheritance that is beyond you can imagine, what you can imagine. Let us pray. Father, we're a church family that uh, is encouraged by you. Um, As we look, Father, and get a chance to see uh, different people throughout history that loved you deeply, uh, weather storms, we sometimes say, man, I could never do that. How could I do that? But God, you've given us a grace to be able to endure the things that come our way. And we don't need to be Nelson Mandela to be faithful. We don't need to be Martin Luther King in order to to walk in righteousness. We don't need to be somebody that the world deems as great in order to be great in your eyes. You are proud of us when we are obedient to you. I pray, Father, that you empower this squad to do this to live for you. I'm thankful, Lord, that you've sealed us. This is another aspect, one more reflection of something God did. Not in our power. We had no strength, no ability at all, but it was something you did and you did alone, and we're thankful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.